it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time! Cincinnati, we gon' rise and up! In the jungle, we unite and up! Trippin' orange and black and white, all day when we fight, live and die in these fights! Now who got a move rockin' on? Now who wanna move crossin' on? Now who wanna move bottom? If you got strikes, then you let the city know you rock them, yeah, we got them! Welcome to another episode of Bengals of Brews. I am Del Altman, joined by my co-host today, Hooday Joe. Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. And we have a very special guest that we're going to bring on right now. Dan Horde, everybody. You got to bring him on, Joe. I thought I was waiting on you to bring him on. Oh, I thought you were going to. I hey, thought Dan. we had a whole thing going there. Hey, Dan, how's it going? So, guys, I can see you, and I assume you can see me, well, but I can't you. hear you. So, unfortunately, I'm going to disconnect with my laptop okay. and try you on my iPad. I've had problems with StreamYard before. So I will get right back to you, and I'll join you momentarily. All right. Sounds good. All right. Get Dan back on. I'm excited to talk to Dan, see what he thinks about the draft. Yeah. Some fifth-year options being declined today. I I, I saw you just mentioned Mekhi Becton. Isaiah yeah. Simmons, the versatile safety linebacker from the Cardinals, is also declined. Yep. So, uh yeah, it's that time of year. I think you have to pick them up, which Burroughs has already picked up. Right. So yeah. nothing to worry about there. We're going to add on his when his extension rolls in. It'll just add more years onto that. So yep. that's all formality. Yep, it's all gravy. Um, I feel I feel really good about the. I know you guys have already talked talked about it a couple times. I I feel really good about our draft class. I mean, we definitely went best player available. And got some incredible values. DJ Turner's a guy I'm most excited about. I just love how much speed is in the secondary. But overall, you know, great, great class. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm ready for Dan. I got. I got to give him a better intro this time, and then I'll have you click and bring him up. All so right. We can get on the same page for it. All right, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. And so, uh, Cam, I see you join. Thanks up, for Gabriel? watching. Man. Yeah, Matt, Jolly, Pork Chop, Chris, uh, 
Crip, Stranger, Jerome. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Jay Morris yesterday, if you guys missed that. that Had him for about 15 to 20 minutes. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. And if you guys have questions for Dan, get them in the chat now so we can try to keep an eye on them. And we don't know how much time we're going to have with them, but we'll we'll do our best to fit in any questions, uh, time permitting. Absolutely. And uh, then, uh, depending how long this goes, we'll probably stick around and kind of review the AFC North draft classes beyond our own. Just yeah. kind of get a look at them, maybe what are just instant reactions to them. Because, yeah, we streamed the other day, well, three days. But, man, when you're streaming like that and you're doing picks and analysis, just trying to have fun too, man, I can't tell you. I still like, I'm still catching up exactly who went where. You know, yeah. it's like you remember a couple of them here and there, like, right. But a lot of them, it's like, oh, they got, oh, they got that guy. So, yeah, I, rem- I remember thinking the Steelers had a really good class, but... Yeah, because I said it, too, like, a couple times over the weekend. Like, they just kept taking guys that I really liked, so... And yeah. that's all on paper, you know, but yep. it's the only way to judge one. This this early until, you know, a few years from now, you can look back, see who's made an impact, but... Absolutely. And the Browns took some guys, like, they have a pick to, like, the third, but they just started... They come right in and started taking guys that I had way higher. Like, I think right. the first pick was Cedric Tillman. You know, Tennessee oh, wide receiver. Yeah, and then it was DeWan. I, I had like an early second round grade on him. I'm like, dang on it. Yeah. They made they made the most of them, the few yeah. picks that they did have. <laughs> For sure. And then like Jay, we weren't really trying to put stuff out because I mean I think a lot of that was just Jay's opinions yesterday. Right. You know, mentioning he still thinks Mixon they'll ask him to take a pay cut. I mean, maybe they don't, you know. I just think most people think they will because they don't think they value running back at $13 million. But I could see yeah. that, like, you've got the salary cap. You can fit them in this year's salary cap. The extensions probably aren't right. going to affect this year's salary cap. So, Yeah, we're, we're not going to ask them to take a pay cut just to take a pay cut. I mean, it's because we need the money. They'll use it. Cap. They'll use it right. They'll, they'll roll it over and then use it or something would right. probably be how it would work. So yeah. uh, we'll just see. I mean, there's ways to keep it, but there's ways to save it and use it for the extension still as well. Yeah, I'm I'm under the camp of I I think that he will be so, on the roster. Let's uh, uh, let's give us another shot, Joe. Do it up. Give him a, give him a good uh, intro. All right, we have the voice of not only the Cincinnati Bearcats, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, along with Dave Lapham, two of the best in the business. With him and Lap, we have one half of that duo, Dan Horde, baby. Dan, All right, Dan, can you hear us? Oh, oh, are you muted? Now we can't hear you. Now we can't hear you. We can't hear you. Let's get, let's get this shot. All right, speak to me. Yeah, yeah. there we go. All right, we couldn't so hear you. Need, all I needed was headphones. I guess. I guess. That's we can hear you great. I would have looked much better on the laptop. <laughs> that is always a little bit tricky. I don't know. Try to center it somehow, but at least we can hear each other and see each other. So sorry Perfect. for the delay. Hey, no worries at all. all good. Uh, we're honored that you, you're on the show with us. We're we're huge fans, obviously, being Bengals you. fans. You and Lap always do a phenomenal job. Um, 
want to jump in uh, right with just the draft? And uh, how highly did the Bengals actually have Miles Murphy ranked? I don't think Jay Morris was on this yesterday. It didn't seem like Michael Mayer was really in consideration. Was there another couple names that maybe they were high on that could have been in that conversation with Murphy? I don't think Michael Mayer was far off from being in the conversation. Okay. So in a typical year, the Bengals have about 20 players, roughly, that they have first-round grades on. So their board is organized as follows. By round and then by top third, middle third, bottom third. So in the first round, they've got some 1A players, they've got some 1B players, and they've got some 1C players. In a normal year, it's about 20 guys that have a first-round grade. And even though they were picking 28th, they kind of expect that somebody on their board will be there. So for last year, for example, they picked 31st, but Dax Hill was 11th on their board. So they got one of those guys that had a first-round grade. This year, I can't give you an exact number, but it was fewer than 15 had first-round grades. And Miles Murphy was one of the 15. Wow, that's awesome. They got one of their guys. I can tell you it was close. I don't know if there are any left, but they got one of their guys. And, you know, that's that's what you hope for when you're picking 28th, that somebody that you have a grade that's worthy of that pick is still there when you're on the clock. And in the Bengals' case, Miles Murphy was. Awesome. Yeah, yeah and you, you could tell – Zach seemed genuinely surprised that he was there. (laughs) He seemed really tickled that, that they got miles Murphy. Um, Speaking of the draft, I think a lot of us uh, figured the Bengals would address O-line in some capacity, you know, maybe even at at right tackle uh, with Jonah requesting the trade. They didn't take a single offensive lineman, not a right tackle, not an interior guy. Do you think that says anything about maybe things have been smoothed over with Jonah and now they're being a little more definitive? Like, hey, Jonah and Jackson Carmen are going to be competing for the right tackle spot. I think that decision was really independent of Jonah. I think all along they assume that if Jonah isn't traded, he's going to show up for $12 million. And right. I agree with that. Sitting yeah. out is not going to help his value. Right. I completely understand why Jonah Williams requested a trade. And I don't really think anybody should begrudge that. He's played left tackle, college and pro. Left tackles get paid more than right tackles. He wants to get paid. This is the final year of his contract. So it's certainly understandable to me that he would request a trade. That's very different from holding out, from not showing up. The fact that he's not at, you know, a voluntary minicamp means nothing. I'd be shocked if he's not here in training camp. And I think he's the leading candidate to be the right tackle. As for not drafting any, keep this in mind. They've signed a ton and they've drafted a ton over the last two or three years. And all of those guys are still here. It's not like Deontay Smith went away. Trey Hill went away. Jackson Carmen went away. Hakeem Adeniji went away. Plus all the free agents they've signed. There are a lot of bodies that they like in that room. So yes, there were some tackles that had those high grades that I mentioned earlier, they were gone. So at that point, don't reach. You like the guys you have in your room. They've got some experience. So that's the way they elected to go. Now, speaking of maybe one of those tackles, sorry, Joe. Uh, Speaking of maybe one of those tackles, uh, your alma mater, were you hoping uh, 
Berger, I don't want to say his name, Matthew Bergeron. I probably mm-hmm. butchered that a little bit. <laughs> uh, I didn't really have a, a vested stake as to whether I wanted him uh, on the Bengals roster. I can tell you that they liked him. They did have a fairly high grade on him, not first round. I saw that came out a few days before the draft. That was completely false. But they did like him, and I think there was a point where they would have strongly considered him. But, you know, it always comes down to is he there when you're on the clock or – is he so good in comparison to what's left that you want to trade up and give up a pick? And that was never the case with Matthew Bergeron. Yeah, and the Cowboys were looking at him as a guard. Like, he was the, he was the guy they were talking about. Uh, we've heard from diff- different people that uh, it was him with Mozzie Smith. They ended up going with Mozzie Smith. But they, they were looking at him as a guard, which I don't – I mean, obviously, I think we have our two starters at that position already in place. Right. No question. I mean, obviously, those two guys did very well, and Alex Kapp is, you know, already back and, and ready to go. His injury is not going to be an issue going forward. I will say this, though, about Matthew Bergeron. So they liked him, and one of the things that stood out when they were studying Miles Murphy was that Miles Murphy kicked his tail when Clemson played. <laughs> yeah, Syracuse. I heard that. So when you have an offensive lineman that you like, and then the defensive lineman that you're looking at, and is he's there head to head. That also weighs in his favor. Absolutely. Now the uh, the second, third rounds defensive backs. I don't think corners surprised any of us. And DJ Turner, I know he was forty second for Dane Brugler. I personally had him ranked around fifty eight, went at sixty. Not not a huge reach, just good value, everything there. Now the one that maybe we weren't thinking was Jordan Battle, but once you look into the guy, you go, "Wow, Von Bell." Yep. Yeah, I said that immediately after the draft. It's interesting to me. I've learned more about Jordan Battle since the pick. Safety wasn't at the top of my list of, you know, position groups that I was really studying. So I only had peripheral knowledge about him before the pick. But obviously, I've done a lot of homework since. The Bengals were wowed by their meeting with him at the Combine. And Nick Saban typically isn't effusive about his guys. It's not like he has to sell his players to get drafted. He's going to have eight to 10 draft picks every year. So he's not one of those college head coaches that will give them bad intel in hopes that his guy is going to be picked. He knows his guys are going to be picked. So he's generally pretty honest. And he was so effusive in his praise of Jordan Battle that I think it caught everybody's attention He blew the Bengals uh, staff away in his combine meeting. One of the things they always do in those meetings, they're not very long, but they put video up on the board and they try to gauge, you know, the football IQ. And they said he was like a coach. Um, I I heard the same thing when they had a combine interview with Andrew Whitworth, that at the end of that interview, Marvin Lewis turned to Paul Alexander, who was the offensive line coach at the time, and said, I don't need you anymore. If you draft this kid, (laughs) he he can coach the position group. And I think it was like that with Jordan Battle. I think they feel of these guys, Jordan Battle will be the guy who's ready to go in week one. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to play the most or, you know, his role will be the biggest. But just in terms of understanding an NFL playbook in that short of a period of time, he will be completely ready to go in week one. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything anything about right. his role because of the other guys at the position group, but he will be good to go because of his experience in Nick Saban's system, the amount of games he played at, at Alabama, and just his football intelligence, which is off the charts. Yeah, and whoever doesn't start between him and Nick Scott, you've got a special teams leader in the other one right away. 
and any injuries, you've got depth, you've got competition. Those are all good words and things that you love to have. So, sorry, Joe, I know you had another question there. Oh, too. you're good. You're good. And I, I briefly saw some of uh, Battle's comments where he was talking about what kind of guy he is. He said, I just want to put a smile on everyone's face. And I'm just like, I love this guy already. He just seems like so nice and so genuine, genuine and such a great locker room presence. Um, as far as the wide receiver room, I thought we would take one. I was surprised we took two. Uh, we took uh, Charlie Jones and, and Yossi Bosch. And it got me to thinking, I didn't think our wide receiver room was bad as far as depth goes. So going forward with these two guys, who do you think is really going to be competing for a roster spot of the Trent Taylor, Trenton Irwin uh, of the world? Stanley Morgan, maybe. Stanley Morgan, that was the other one. Well, I think this really puts Trent Taylor potentially in a bind because Charlie Jones is a bigger, faster Trent Taylor. Trent yep. Taylor is 5'8". He ran a 4'6 back in the day at his pro day or combine. I can't remember which. Charlie Jones is 5'11", so three inches taller, and he ran a 4'4". Trent Taylor has done a very solid job as a return yes. specialist. Catch you about 10 yards a return doesn't cough the ball up, catches it really well. There's value in that, but isn't a really a threat to take it to the house? And Charlie Jones is. He had a 100-yard kickoff return in college. He had a punt return yep. touchdown in college. His pr productivity as a wide receiver last year speaks for itself with 110 catches and 12 for touchdowns. So, you know, fortunately in this day and age, you can keep veterans on the practice squad. So this doesn't necessarily mean that Trent Taylor is gone. Yep. Uh, depending on injuries, depending on things you can't foresee, he could be on the sure. roster. He could be on the practice squad. I, I hope he's still part of the organization because I think he's been very valuable. But I do think that Charlie Jones, at least on paper, is a bigger, faster version of him. Yeah. What, wow. do, you, what do you see their vision is for, for Yossi Bosch? Um, is that more of a, a long-term play and a guy that may take a little bit longer to develop or do, do you, do they expect him to contribute in some way early on? Hard to say. I, I think that's how I look at him. I referred to him as a lottery ticket uh, when I was talking about him on one of the podcasts over the weekend. And, and that's kind of how I view it, but mostly because of his background, Ivy league player. So lesser competition, spent half of his year training for the heptathlon yeah. and was, you know, one of the best in the country at it. So I think he is an incredibly athletic 6-3 ball of clay that they're going to put in Troy Walter's hands and see what they can mold him into. But that doesn't mean he can't contribute from day one. Uh, I do think they would like to upgrade their speed on special teams. And he certainly has speed and size. So, um, I think if he plays in year one, it's likely to be there, but you never know. Sometimes guys get into training camp and, and they blow people away with what they show they can do. Awesome. Um, we got our, our good buddy, Greg Luther here. In your opinion, who is the biggest still of the draft? Maybe we'll keep that. I know obviously Murphy is an easy name to say being he was so high on the Bengals board, but maybe, you know, outside of the first couple picks. Well, my, my initial answer would have been Miles Murphy. because That's why I had to do that to you, Dan. I'm sorry. I, Jay, Jay took the easy way out and took Miles yesterday, so I had, to, I had to get something different. Yeah. So in terms of a steal, I guess I would just go to the next pick, DJ Turner, just because of where they got him. Uh, now, 
as you, on your board, Dale, you said that was close to where you had him. Yeah, 58. I know the Bengals had a, a high grade on him. And more importantly, from their perspective, the drop off from the top five corners they had on their board to the sixth best corner was significant, which yeah. was a big reason why they took him. Well, there was a good run right did. before them, too, with Stevenson and Brantz. I don't know if they were high on those guys, but I know a lot of people were. And they, those guys were starting to fire off the board. Yep. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that those guys were guys that they had ahead of D.J. Turner. Obviously, every team's a little bit different, but they really like D.J. Turner and had the benefit of taking Dax Hill last year. So they watched a ton of Dax. You wind up seeing a ton of D.J. Turner while you're doing that. Then you study the next season as well. They know the Michigan people well. Rick Minter's son is the defensive coordinator. They've got a lot of great contacts on that staff. So uh, I think they feel really good about DJ Turner, and I think he's going to be a very productive uh, part of this roster from day one. Yeah. Now, are we going to get a good Juan Drago call from you at some point <laughs> during the season? He gets a nice pick six. There goes Juan Drago. <laughs> I, I'll feel him out on the subject. I, yeah. I don't know if that's something that he would like or dislike. So I look forward to getting uh, to know him and, and get to uh, the bottom of why he goes by DJ. For sure. Um, you know, and speaking of, of your, your calls, you know, I was just telling Dale, uh, before we started, I said, what, what I love about you and lap is you can really feel the emotion, you know, through, through your voices and you, you can tell that you're emotionally invested. It feels like you're, you're listening with your buddies and not just a play by play of what's going on, you know, especially with the coffin nails calls. What is, what is the most emotional call for a Bengals game that you've had? And has there been a time where you're like, all right, I need to check myself because I actually have to tell the people <laughs> listening what's going on. I need to calm down. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. I want to be as natural as I possibly can be. And honestly, one of the best things about my job, and I'll say jobs, plural, because of UCM, the Bengals, yep. is that I have a true emotional stake in the outcome. Obviously, the guys that do NFL games for CBS and Fox and NBC sure. and Amazon, it's a fantastic job. You're doing an NFL game every week in front of a gigantic audience and you're well paid. and All of that is great. But in my job, I don't have to be impartial. Yeah. I'm broadcasting Bengals games and Bearcat games to Bengals and Bearcats fans. So I can show my emotions in calling the game. And I'm not an over the top Homer, I don't think, but um, you know, clearly you can tell how I feel when the Bengals are doing well, or if they're doing poorly. And that's a part of the job that I absolutely love. Love that. Now um, this upcoming season, um, is there a, maybe a breakout candidate? I know we kind of talked with Jay. He was writing an article. He didn't want to do winners and losers. So he was talking about doing, you know, guys who maybe should feel pressure or guys who should feel relief. So it could be one of those guys like a Zach Carter who they didn't take a you know true three tech and or just anybody you could see maybe having a breakout here this season. It's a good question. Potentially Jackson Carmen. You know, as I said earlier, I expect Jonah Williams to be the starting right tackle, but there will be a competition in training camp. And I keep hoping that Jackson lives up to his potential because I think there's a lot there. So mm -hmm. if I'm a betting man, I think Jonah's going to win the job. But if he doesn't, Jackson Carmen could be a candidate to be 
you know, the breakout guy on this year's team. As for the rookies, I'm really excited about Charlie Jones. I do anticipate that he is going to be returner, uh, the returner. In the NFL game, you don't have a ton of kick returns every anymore, but you do have putt returns. And assuming he is the guy, how great would it be to see a Bengals putt returner bring one back to the house for the first time in 11 seasons? Yeah. Hasn't happened since 2012 when Adam Jones ran one back for a touchdown. I, 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 I had said he has to be the most electric return man on paper we've had since Pac-Man, right? As a punt returner, I mean, Brandon Wilson was a tremendous yeah. kick returner That's... before his injury. And, you know, he's on the comeback trail. He's hoping to be back in the picture this year. So that's not out of the question. But as a punt returner, it has probably been since Adam Jones, where I think the opposing team really felt yeah. fearful when they put it up in the air that he was going to bring it back to the house. Now, on the other side of that, what's your thoughts on uh, the punting competition here? We got Brad Robbins. Hopefully he brings back the mustache because those pictures <laughs> with that mustache is elite. So uh, just between him and Chrisman, I know Chrisman's going to grind and he's not going to give up the job easily, but Robbins has really good hang time and there's a lot of things to like about him. I thought that was a nice way they traded down, got that extra pick. As soon as it happened on the stream, we go, there's our punter. There's our punter. And they took it with that yep. exact pick that they had. Lapp, yeah, Lapp and I said the same thing, and they only had to move back three picks to do it yep. from 92 to 95 in the third round. I think when you draft a kicker or punter, he goes into the competition as the favorite because you expended draft capital to get him. But that doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. mean he wins the job, mm -hmm. as we saw with Jake Elliott several years ago. If Drew Chrisman significantly outperforms Brad Robbins in training camp, Drew Chrisman will be the punter. They could still keep Robbins or try to keep Robbins on the practice squad. Uh, punters don't often get poached. Drew Chrisman spent a lot of time on the Bengals practice squad before he ultimately got the uh, starting job. You know, Drew Chrisman started really well after taking over for Kevin Huber. And then he faded late in the season. I don't know why that happened, uh, but he probably does. And Darren Simmons and, and he have talked a lot about it. So, Drew Christman's got a really strong leg. If he can improve hang time and his directional kicking, it's going to be a heck of a battle. Yeah, for sure. Uh, going back to Jonah, Jolly Mole in the chat wanted to ask, how much of Jonah's knee injuries had to do with not trading him? Did that make it harder to find a trade partner? And just to add on to that, do you think the Bengals were actively shopping him or was it more of, hey, if your agent wants to make phone calls to trade you, you know, go ahead, let us know. Our, our phone lines are open. Well, I don't know if they did that or not. I'm sure once a player makes a trade demand, other teams that might be interested are in touch. And obviously the Bengals consider everything. You have to, if somebody wants to give up a really high draft pick, uh, then you might take the plunge. I think the salary is a bigger factor than the knee injuries. He had problems with his kneecap. He played with one for most of the season. Um, they've been surgically repaired. Hopefully he never has to deal with this again. So that's a factor. I think the fact that he's got 12 million coming this year and it's guaranteed is a bigger factor that makes him harder to trade because let's face it, there only sit so many teams out there that have $12 million to spend under the cap. And of that group, only so many need a left tackle or need a starting tackle period. So it's a relatively small group that could even try to make the deal and, it's my impression that nobody in that group made the type of offer that would have tempted the Bengals, at least so far. 
Now, this is a little early because they haven't even put out the full list of candidates for this season. But is there maybe a guy or two for the Ring of Honor this year that you're eyeing? That I, I like. We, we've talked about. And we like to see maybe some of these older guys get in. You know, maybe some of the guys that's been around there longer. I know Chad uh, Chad Ocho gets brought up a lot, but you know, I I still like to see some of the older guys, the Max Montoya's, the guys like that, get in ahead of maybe some of these younger guys. Well, my opinion is biased, but naturally I would love to see Dave Lapham get in. I would love to see number 62 up on that wall, and I do think it's going to happen at some point. Uh, we are season ticket holders. We have seen two season tickets in our family. So my son, Sam, uh, has the family boat, and he has done very well so far. And I am trying to nudge him in the direction of a Dave Lapham boat. I think Lap was one of his two votes last year. So uh, I am going to be blowing the trumpet to try to uh, continue to raise support for Lap, but I don't really think I need to do much. I'm sure he is going to be uh, near top of mind for a lot of the people that have votes. Yeah, I think Lamar Parrish is another good name, too, to throw out that people should consider. Yeah, there are a no, lot. There, there's Tim a Crumrai. lot. There is. Yeah, Crumrai. Yeah. Crumrai's got to be near the top of the list as one of the great defensive players in franchise history. We, we've had John Breach on before. And... Yeah, Boomer, we've had John Breach on. He's banging the drum. Obviously, he's a little biased for his dad, Jim. Sure. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good candidates. So, it is hard for us to, like, just bang the drum for one guy, but I, I can understand your bias a little bit there, Dan. Just a little. I think it's yeah. fair. You know, and in all seriousness, obviously Lap was an excellent player. Yes. The Bengals drafted 22 players in 1974. The draft was 17 rounds back then. He had the longest NFL career of any of those 22 draft picks. Wow. He played for 10 years with the Bengals, two more years in the USFL, and now this will be his 38th year in the broadcast booth. So that's 48 years that wow. he has had something to do with the franchise. I think he has represented the organization incredibly well. I know Mike Brown feels the same way. So when you combine a great playing career with an unbelievable broadcasting career, I think that certainly makes him worthy of being part of the uh, the Ring of Honor at Paycor Stadium. Yeah, he's Mr. Bengals, so him getting in is a no-brainer. So, you know, this year seems like good a year as any to me, too. Yep. And if, I mean, yeah, if not, so it's definitely a matter of time. Yeah. Um, as far as, I don't know how closely you paid attention to where the Bearcats went in the draft. Obviously, the Bengals didn't draft any. Uh, were there any spot landing spots for some of the Bearcats uh, going to other teams that you think really will set them up for success early on? Well, the fact that Trey Tucker was a third-round draft pick by the Raiders, obviously, when you're chosen in the first three rounds, the team has high expectations for you. And that surprised me. I knew Trey oh, would yeah. be picked. I thought Tyler Scott was going to be the first Bearcats mm -hmm. wide receiver chosen. And I thought he might go in the second round, and he didn't go until the third day, which was surprising. But the Raiders clearly love Trey Tucker. They're going to give him every opportunity to be a big part of their team. I think he is their kickoff and punt returner from day one and part of their wide receiver rotation. So just because of where he was picked, I would anticipate that uh, Trey Tucker is going to have a, a lot of opportunities with the Raiders. And uh, I'll ask one. We'll, we'll try to get you out of here. I, I mean, you've given us almost a half an hour, and we really appreciate it. So just this is kind of more of a fun one. You have a favorite road city when you combine everything, the food, the stadium, the fan base to go to. Well, I have a few. So I grew up a little bit south of Buffalo. So anytime the Bengals play a road game in Buffalo, it's a treat for me. I went to that stadium as a fan 
as a kid. And I can picture myself sitting in the end zone in freezing weather conditions, you know, watching OJ Simpson in the 1970s. So the thought of being in the broadcast booth in that stadium is surreal for me. Every time it happens, it's just proof that, you know, in my life, reality has exceeded my dreams. I never really thought that that could happen. So that is so cool for me. And then in terms of the cities, anytime you can go to New York when somebody else is paying, <laughs> that's a good thing. Uh, that's true in San Francisco as well. You do have to keep in mind, though, that because I'm doing UC games most Saturdays, when the Bengals have a road game on Sunday, I'm often getting there either really, really late at night yeah. on Saturday or sometime in the morning on Sunday. So my ability to, you know, go to a restaurant, do any sort of sightseeing whatsoever is typically pretty slim when it comes to the Bengals road games. I think that leads right into that question you wanted to ask him, Joe. About the marathon. The marathon. Oh, yeah. I was reading an article about how I want to say it was 2018-ish where you had done four different games in like a four-day span where you went like Bearcats basketball, Bearcats football, Bengals, and then Bearcats basketball again. And those weren't all in Cincinnati. (laughs) You were flying all over the place. How? How do you get through some of those <laughs> tough legs when there's so much going on at the same time? It's my own version of the amazing race. <laughs> there you go. And it's awesome. I love it. I'm so lucky to be able to do both, especially when you hit that part of the year where there's basketball and both football teams are playing. So I've often got three or four games in a week. The craziest travel story that I've had so far was UC football in a road game on a Saturday in Greenville, North Carolina, which doesn't have a lot of uh, airline service. They've got, they only fly to one city out of Greenville and that's Charlotte. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in any case, the Bearcats played at East Carolina on Saturday. The Bengals played in Denver on Sunday and I made it. That one's not, that one didn't make it easy. (laughs) That didn't make it easy, but I made it. And then the Bearcat basketball teams played in the Cayman Islands on Monday Oh wow! and I made it. So that was a wild three day stretch. Lots of coffee coursing through my veins. <laughs> I was going to say that's... three days. Caffeine is definitely my drug of choice. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got to keep that energy up, especially with that, that kind of travel. But Dan, I, I feel like we've already taken too much of your time. This really has been an honor for us. And thank uh, you. You know, if we maybe could ever get you on again, we'd be blessed again to have you. So sometime in the future. Dale and Joe, it was my pleasure. Sorry it took a little while to connect. I'll remember next time to have my headphones ready right off the bat. <laughs> Sounds Thank like a plan, Dan. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Dan. We pleasure. appreciate you. Have a great day. You too. See you. Wow. That was awesome, man. Yeah, that's so I, cool. I, I couldn't take any more of his time. Like, yeah, I, 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 I wanted mean, to. I know. Uh, I was like, we did another 10, 15 minutes. But I was like, uh, no, nah, we better better get him out of here. You know, we want him to come back. We want him to come exactly. back. You know, we want to be able to, you know, have him back in the future. And, you know, maybe we can get the other half of that on sometime. I'd love to have Lapham on go. as well. So that'd be great. Anybody yeah, got I mean, connections to Dave Lapham? Send him our way. We'd love to have him on and interview him as well. That that was fun, man. 
It was. He and he I his voice is just so naturally <laughs> fit for radio. Like that's just how like he's the kind of guy that if he was at a restaurant with you five tables over, you would know it was him. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> have to you wouldn't have to turn around. No, it's like, like, that's oh, Dan Lord back there. I can yep. hear him. <laughs> yeah, just such a great distinctive voice and he's He's so well-spoken, so articulate, and and passionate about the Bengals. I mean, what's what's not to love? Well, I just catch myself sitting there at the end, just like in awe, like a like a little, you know. Oh yeah, little kid, just in awe. Of this guy, because it's you know, it's not every day you're interviewing somebody who you listen to on the radio all the time. Oh, you know, I'd be driving up to Cincinnati or home from Cincinnati, and you know, I'm listening to these guys, man. I'm I listening know. to these guys on the radio all the time. One one of my favorite things to do after getting home from a home game or actually you know driving back from a home game is if like there was like a crazy play like you know the fumble in the jungle i'm like i want to hear i I gotta hear the call i gotta hear the call yes between having to hear the call number one and then like their podcast because he interviews players all the time that's like that's at the top of my list of podcasts to listen to i i have to listen to that one that's one now, other ones, I'll go back, you know, I'll take a break from them for a few months or six months, come back, mm-hmm. listen to a couple episodes here and there. But that one, I always have to listen to. I mean, just because of those two guys alone, but then you throw in, you know, he, he sings in the intros, which somebody's, mm-hmm. I, we would ask him about that. Somebody's getting him shit the other day. I know, it's for him to stop singing. Like, boo, boo that guy. <laughs> you keep Whoever singing, was, Dan. Sing all your Yes. Do what you want, Dan. You are the freaking man, buddy. Yeah, he's a legend. But uh, I am just, I'm very, I feel very blessed today being able to interview somebody like that, you know. Same. We've had some pretty cool ones doing this show, and and that's up there. It's just, you know, it's it's different people, you players, ex-players, this, that. Yeah. That's up there, man. He, he is, is a legend at what he does, incredible at what he does. Uh, probably one of the hardest workers as we're talking about his travel stories. Like can't say enough good things about Dan. He seems like a great a person as well. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about him as a person. Never. That that's huge. Yeah. I, I, you you said it all. I'm really grateful that I got to be a part of this. I mean, I was going to recap those and I I just don't think I can, man. I think I'm just, I think I'm just that. I want that to be what it was. And, um, you know, I got the, the girls got some stuff coming up, but that's a couple of hours from now. But gives me a chance to come down off that high a little bit. I'm Relax. good with that. We 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 can save that uh, topic we had for this weekend, maybe Friday night. And- well, that or you know, I, I might go over it. Uh, probably do another three thirty show. I don't know if I'll do one tomorrow. Might might wait and do one Thursday. But okay, if uh, if Greg and and uh, Jeff or uh, Cam want to come on, and then. I know we were going to have one of the what's this guy's names, uh, Blake Meek. He was wanting to be on. I know not everybody always agrees with uh, having his brother's opinions on Twitter, but he said, "Oh, I'd love to come on your show." And hey, give him a shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, cool. we, we, it's Bengals fans, you know. We yeah. we love giving if people want to come on. You want to get a shot? I'll try to give you a shot, or you know, yeah, have some fun with it when we can. For especially sure. three thirty shows. Yeah, it's, it's we don't have a Dan Horde on or Jay Morrison, right? It is a, tough for me to make make these time shows, but I'm like, 
I'm going to do whatever I can. I cleared and out now, my schedule. Now and I'm like, going to take I'm... you out. You took Greg's spot. He's going to take you out. Sorry, Greg. He's coming for you. Sorry, Greg. I had, I had to be here. <laughs> now that's the thing. Rally around the natty, Greg. He'll get his chance to interview him still on that show too. I, I guarantee it. Absolutely. Those guys are doing great things. So if you guys aren't su- subscribed to rally around the natty with Greg and James and Santori and Bengal dad, Yep. You know, make sure you subscribe to those guys because they're they're getting good guests too. They're giving you good knowledge. I mean, they're very knowledgeable. Um, just great Bengals fans. Yep. Season ticket holders like us, just passionate Bengals fans, man. That's what yep. it's all about, right? Like, I don't claim to be shit compared to anybody else. You know, but yeah. season tickets, we just like jumping on here and talking. Hell yeah! Is it, yeah, and they they have really great <sighs> perspectives. Santori's super knowledgeable. Uh, I'm guessing he's talking great. about uh. He's talking about our man Chuck Sizzle. Yeah, yeah. I, when I, people were saying that, like, yeah, like uh, that was a uh, that was Rat uh, Kentley Platte, Platte. Oh, oh. The rat uh, score. He was like, yeah, math bomb. He was on our wrap up show. Was comparing like he was saying, I'm not comparing him to him, but like his stuff compared to Cooper. And I'm just sitting there going, what? Like. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, how late was Cooper Cup drafted? I just look him up. He was a third rounder, so he yeah. was drafted a little, little bit higher. But not, you not imagine Chuck Sizzle ends up being a, 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 even even if he's fifty percent of Cooper Cup, what he yeah, <laughs> what kind of player he is to add to what we already have, man. Now watch we're out, watch I out. I just want to see him dominate at returning. I do too. I mean, I, really I think do. that's what Darren said. Uh, at one point he said he he wanted a guy that could put the fear of god into the other teams when <laughs> when we're returning kicks and punts yeah kevin we talked about this i'd be a first round pick you would be you'd be my first round pick first yeah. overall yeah comes drink a beer and do it do it you got it drink a few go go this play it's fine <laughs> it's fine oh man that was Top great pick. that was great yeah, man, I appreciate you being on with me, and I appreciate everybody in the chat that tuned in, and, and the questions were great. And, um, yeah, I'm just, I've just spent a good couple days. So uh, we may do one tomorrow, especially if there's any news. If not, we may just take a day off and, and pop back on here Thursday. And then Joe's getting a little snippy-snippy this weekend. So uh, RIP to his sperm. Yes. Uh, you know, to his reproductive area. It's a necessary evil. I can't have any more kids. Yeah. So, uh, and he's not man enough like Derek, where Derek still came on the show that night. I, I know he's already like. Yeah, he threw me. that. He threw it out there when you said that. He's like, you were like I, I said, well, I might, have, I probably won't be on because I'm getting snipped that day. He's like, well, just so you know, I did a show. Oh yeah, he immediately. I'm that. like, well, all right. Now I feel like I have to, or I'm gonna be called up all sorts of names. You're gonna come on here like so much pain. I know. I mean, I, you're not like Derek. You don't drink like that bourbon that just like turns you into a monster for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, Derek takes like one step of that bourbon. And he's old. He's can to the guy. He is. He's not he even is. Derek anymore. You know. No. Turns into which is the great. Whole... It's great content. It's great. Well, sometimes we had to be kicking about at some point. Welcome to the club, Joe. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> thanks guys i'm very scared but i'm sure it'll be fine you'll be fine i know they can't take it all i know i mean they could 
probably just want to uh, away from messing up. I'm getting paler than I already am. <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right. Appreciate y'all. I'm not doing right. outro music. We did intro music. I've been trying not to do these. So if it didn't 